Welcome back to another episode of Culturally Conscious. My name is Rebecca Lang. And if you would like to support us, you can follow our Patreon at patreon.com slash culturally conscious pod. Or you can also follow our Instagram at culturally conscious pod. And if you would like to send us a little email, you can send you can write to us at culturally conscious pod at gmail.com. So today with me, I have my lovely friend, Sarah Best. Hello, Sarah. Hi. Hello, everyone. And we're in Utah. We are in Utah. And if I have a raspy voice, it's because I'm sick. But I might have gotten her sick. I might have spread my illness to you. It's sexy, though. It's like a sexy rasp. Yeah. The phlegm is not as sexy when you're like, you're dying. But me too. I've been coughing up a lung since like two weeks ago yeah it's not been great but you know what i'm excited we're here i'm excited we're doing it thank you so much for having me yeah thank you so much for being on the podcast and as we previously mentioned we are in utah and i don't know what this is our my second time in utah your third i think i don't know how many times i've been here actually been over the past couple years just every once in a while i feel like but it's fun. I like it. And how would you describe the vibes? Utah. A lot of white people, Mormons. We're here on a Mormon holiday. Um, so they're they're out. Man. Yeah, they're out and about. It's been busy. Everyone was like in town. I was a little surprised. Yeah, it was it was I I mean, I didn't go into town. But <laughs> she she is ill. She had to rest at home. But I did go into town and I saw many a white person there. So I can confirm there are many white people here. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really conversed with the Utah people that much on this trip. Neither have I. I'm we we've only we've only stayed in our California bubble. I mean, we did go through Las Vegas, and that in itself is quite the ex- American experience, where you see like everyone like. Buying, like, lotto tickets and, like, the huge, like, gas stations with, like, a giant Sasquatch. It's like, wow! Like, if I took my, like, international, like, relatives here, they would be like, what the fuck? I don't think they would like it. I think they would be confused and be like, this is too much. Like, that, um, the Terribles gas station or whatever we went to, it was enormous and it was just full of, like, snacks. And I don't know, I feel like that would be a lot to a non-American Yeah, it was very, I mean, if you want to show, like, a non-American, like, the worst of capitalism in the U.S., you would take them to Las Vegas. Like, Las Vegas is not for me, but I could see how it became, like, so popular with the culture that we're in. Yeah, it makes sense, but also I hate it, and I don't want to go to Vegas. I feel like we're sleepy girls. Viva Las Vegas! I mean, no, I just... I want to be in bed by 10 p.m. I don't want to be out. I don't drink. I don't really, like, do, like, party drugs or anything like that. I I like to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and I don't like to gamble because I did. The first time I ever went gambling, it was for my brother's birthday. My mom was like, oh, you know, it would be fun to go to a casino. And we were like, sure, that sounds like chill vibes. And so... I went and I put a dollar into a slot machine and I lost it and I was pissed. I was like, I'm walking away. And my mom was like, no, you might as well, you know, we're here. That's what we came here to do. And I was like, fine. 
And so I was going to put in another dollar and she was like, no, like you have to actually put in money to make money. And I was like, whatever. So I put in a $20 bill. Oh very, my God. I know. Very reluctantly. I was not happy about it. And so I just pressed random buttons. I didn't know what I was doing. And all of a sudden it just starts lighting up and flashing. And I won $200 on my first try, essentially. Damn, you are blessed. I am blessed, but I don't want to do it ever again. I, that doesn't happen very often, I don't think. So be glad you got your $20 back and more, I guess. Well, it was kind of like a manifestation experiment for myself personally when I was doing it. Because I was... I was like saying, oh, I'm just going to go into it assuming I'm going to win and really putting out like the energy into the universe that I'm just going to win money. And I did, (laughs) which was kind of amazing. But then afterwards, my mom was like, well, you already won a bunch. Like, might as well use it and go play blackjack with me or whatever. Apparently, you're lucky. And I lost like $40 at blackjack. And I was like, we're done. I'm leaving. And I was legitimately mad the whole time that I lost any money at all, even though I just walked up basically to a slot machine and was handed. $200. I walked away with $160 and I was like, I still lost $40. So I'm I'm not a gambler because of that. No, I mean I've never gambled because I was just like, I just want to keep my money. I just am like too paranoid to lose it. And I feel like gambling is leads down a path of like continuing to want to gamble. And I'm just like, I just don't want to lose my money. Yeah, I always go into it. I always, I've only gone gambling once. But when I think about it, I always think about it in the way of I'm going to lose the money. It's never, oh, but what if I win big? Like that never occurs to me. Yeah, it's a losing game. It's, it's set against you from the start, I think. Or at least that's my opinion. I've never done it. Apparently it's not set against me because I still... The exception? All right. I'm just the exception to the rule. I slayed too hard. $200 right off the bat. But anyway, yes, we are in Utah. We're having an amazing time so far. I mean, we've gone on like one walk and that was nice. (laughs) And then we just finished watching Brother Bear and it was amazing. (laughs) So... Tired from that one, like not even two mile walk. I was so tired. I think it was like 1.6 miles. Yeah, but I have a cold, so I feel like I can get away with being tired after a 1.6 mile walk. It's not that I'm out of shape, although I am, (laughs) but it's definitely because I have a cold. But it was nice. It was a very nice walk, and I love noticing how there's different plants here, even though we're not that far from California, and it's still deserty kind of vibes. I love seeing all the different flowers, and it's so beautiful. And the sky here, to me, and the clouds are, it's, it's impeccable. I don't know what's in the sky here, but it's beautiful. Yeah, I'll tell you what. <laughs> tell me. There is a lot of open space in Utah. And you know, California is very densely populated. There is open space, but it's mostly desert, I feel like, or like at least where we live. But here it's a lot of like open land and, you know, there's not fences really around the houses and stuff. I do like that. I do like feeling like a part of the landscape here, I guess. Yeah, it kind of does feel a little bit like the Wild West to me. And then I see everybody driving around with, like, their little don't tread on me flags. Oh, yeah. It does feel like we're in red country. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's why I also haven't been like, I want to go talk to people (laughs) here in Utah, see what they feel like. But 
I feel like it would be interesting though. Like there was somebody who was uh, driving and they had a don't tread on me flag when we were driving the little razor things or whatever. And my first instinct was like to flinch and be like, ooh, (laughs) like, but then he stopped and let us go. And I waved as a little thank you. I was like, you know, maybe they can be not like, maybe I don't have to be like, ew, (laughs) the first, you know what I mean? That's my number one instinct. Um, That's my number one instinct. (laughs) I'm like, don't look at me. Yeah. Don't tread on me. Don't look at me. Yeah. I'm not here. Well, I've been in the house the whole time, too. So I'm like, don't perceive me. Yeah. You're really not here. You're barely here. But we've been having a really fun time nonetheless. Yes, it is. It has been fun. It's good to go on a little trip with the friends. It sure is. And earlier this week, we were very blessed to see an early showing of Barbie. 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 Hey, Barbie. Hey, Barbie. Uh, Sarah and I were talking about this because I asked her which Barbie she would be. I said if I was a Barbie, I would be Bon Voyage Barbie. Fits my vibe. Fits my aesthetic. And Sarah, you would be? I would be Painter Barbie. That would be my little hobby with a little easel and like little paint and like a like a little hat or something. I don't know. <laughs> a smock. She can have overalls and have like little like paintbrushes and palettes in her overalls. Slay. I think our Barbies would be friends. What do you think? I think they would. I could travel with you. One voyage Barbie. You could paint with me. We could paint in Paris or whatever. Which we have already done. Remember on my birthday, we went to that park and we painted. And I, I still have my little my little tiny landscape. I have it too. Your little landscape. I think we painted the same thing. Yours looks a bit fancier than mine. There's a little bit more shading and technique there. I'm not a paintstress myself. But... I guess we're already, sl- our Barbies are already traveling the world and paint. Oh, we're going to paint in Utah. That's one of the things we're going to do. That is true. I brought my gouache paints, which are like, for those of you who don't know what gouache is, it's like, um, it's like acrylic and watercolor combined. So it still has like really high opacity, but it's very pretty. It's very bright. And I haven't really used it that much. I got it for, as a gift, but I was like, let's all paint together. I would love to because, again, I'm, I'm not a paintstress normally, but I feel like I'm trying to just, I'm learning to let go a bit more and be less of a perfectionist. I think that's why I usually don't like painting or drawing or anything like that because it's not something I've ever really taken a class or learned how to do. And so I don't have that much skill or technique you know that's been built up over the years so then when I do it it looks like art by somebody who hasn't practiced and hasn't done it that much and then that frustrates me because I feel like it why isn't it perfect why is it not you know a Picasso level painting just right off the bat and if I'm not perfect at things I get really frustrated but I feel like I'm letting go and painting's a good way for me to practice that because it forces me to have to just get used to the fact that I'm not perfect at everything at first, but it's very fun. Yeah, I definitely, I think I have that feeling too, but I've been painting for like, I don't know, since I was seven, six maybe. And like, even with all that practice, like I've gotten better and stuff, but I still have that insecurity of like, why doesn't it look better? Like, why isn't it? And I'm just very self-critical, but you just have to like get over that because 
if you want to keep creating, you're going to have to see some flaws and like accept them. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's, I've been learning that lesson over and over again lately. I think just because I've been trying a lot of new things. And so that forces you to get used to the fact that you're not going to be good at everything on the first try. And in fact, it would be weird if you were. And if you were, then you would have nothing to learn and nowhere to go and nowhere to grow. So what, what would the fun be in that? Yeah, no one's perfect. No one is perfect. Like Barbie. Like Barbie. Yeah, I feel like Barbie. So, so what did you think about the film? Also, Sarah went to film school. So she's, she's a professional. Yeah, if I don't analyze this film correctly, then take it up with Chapman University. Um, but oh, I love Barbie. Ah, I loved it. I mean, the set design, I went to school for production design. So I was paying attention to like costumes, set design, um, art, like art direction, stuff like that. And it was really, really fun. I feel like they really kept it in the like 1960s almost like pop like pink and I don't know I just thought it was really good but if we're talking more about like the emotional like pull of Barbie I was thinking about how like I don't know do you want to do spoilers I feel like I feel like if you haven't seen Barbie yet what are you doing? What the hell are you doing? Get your a- turn this off. Get your ass to the theater and watch it. Yeah. Okay. So we are gonna we are gonna say a few spoilers. Fair warning. So if you do not want to be spoiled, I guess, or have the movie be spoiled, um, then turn off the podcast right now and run to go see Barbie. Uh, but anyway, speak your truth, Queen. Yeah. Just skip the next like couple minutes. Okay, so Barbie in itself, I feel like the creation of Barbie has been around for so long. So I feel like the movie has a lot of pull to people of all ages. Like my grandma wants to see it. My mom wants to see it. Like my little cousins want to see it. I wanted to see it. All my friends wanted to see it. So I think for women, it's like a real cultural shift for all these women to see this movie. I felt like it was very monumental I think it was really significant and I think I mean here okay here's a spoiler when Barbie becomes like a human she decides I don't want to be an idea I want to be the person that makes ideas I feel like that's what it really feels like to be a woman because you're always feeling like you're not being taken seriously you're not perfect you're doing everything wrong all the time because there's so many contradictions I feel like I really pointed that out and so she's like you know what Like, I'm going to, like, be my own creator. I'm going to start creating my own things. I'm not going to be the one that is the object. Yeah, I think that that is really interesting. And for me, the film really brought up a specific quote by Simone de Beauvoir, which is in French, On n'est pas né femme, on le devient, excuse me, on le devient, which in English is we're not born women, we become them, or we're not born a woman, we become it, or her. I don't know how exactly that would translate. So I thought this was interesting because Barbie literally becomes a woman, but also she is in this environment in Barbie land. It's all very feminine. And she has all of these stereotypes. She's literally stereotypical Barbie. She has all these kind of like stereotypically feminine traits Mm -hmm. given to her. But at the end, she basically decides to become a real human woman And so that just made me think about myself and 
all of, I don't know, when I was in high school, I used to wear dresses all the time. I would wear so much makeup every day. I would do my hair, <laughs> straighten it or curl it every single day. And now I just feel like I'm getting further and further and further away from like the female beauty standard, I guess. Not really. I mean, I still fit into it a lot, but I don't wear makeup anymore. I don't shave. You know, these are pretty big things that I still feel pretty insecure about. So it's almost like all of those feminine traits were put on me ever since I was a child. And now I'm almost rejecting them, but I don't reject my womanhood. And my, I think my... My experience personally with womanhood is more defined by the uh, my relationships with women. That's my favorite part about being a woman is just the experience that I have, you know, communicating with other women, getting to know them, having close relationships with female family members and friends. So I don't know, because we we are all these concepts of ideas about being a woman are pushed onto us. But at the same time. As we grow up, I don't know. I feel like I get away from that. I'm becoming something else. So I don't I don't know where I would stand with that question. But what do you think? Do you think that we're born women or we become them? I feel like we become them because I feel like I was raised by women and like all my major influences in this world have been women mainly. Um, there have been men too, but women have really guided my life in the direction that it's going. And I've seen so many strong women and women who faced a lot of hardship and it's just made me so clear about all this that women go through that is not typically seen on the outside in society. And speaking about the movie, I feel like one of the first like moments that Barbie is in the real world, you know, she's having a lot of like scary moments, but one moment that stood out to me was she saw this like old woman at the bus stop and she started crying and she's like you're so beautiful and the woman's like I know and I was like that is womanhood that's like recognizing other people in in the sisterhood and recognizing that beauty and the beauty of being a person in this world and to me what was also interesting is that that's something that Barbie had never seen right because in her mm -hmm. perfect Barbie land nobody ages. So it was the first time that she had ever seen like an old woman with a wrinkly face with all of these, you know, features that Barbie herself was kind of afraid of, you know, she was afraid of getting more cellulite mm -hmm. when she had it. So, you know, all of the, I think the kind of fears that we have about ourselves about aging and all that, but for the first time that she's ever seen that, all she thought was that it was so beautiful. And I thought that that was really touching because it's like she was looking at it with completely fresh eyes. Unlike us who, you know, we've been told that we should be wearing sunscreen or be getting Botox at such a young mm -hmm. age. Since we were, I, I, I started wearing sunscreen for wrinkle prevention in seventh grade. And I started like, I think shaving my legs when I, my mom, <laughs> she didn't know about this, but I wanted to because I was like always trying to be more mature or more womanly than I actually was. But I think the first time I ever shaved my legs was like second grade or third grade, like oh. something horrific. Yeah. Because I was so, it was so ingrained in me that if I want to be a woman, this is what I have to do. If I want to be an adult in this kind of body, these are the rules. So I don't know. I, I found that that part to be very beautiful as well. Mm -hmm. Be the beauty and like aging and having that wisdom or just recognizing a, another person that's there, another woman. Um, and then there was an, also a part at the end where when she does become a human, she's, there's all these images of women in real life 
like videos and pictures of all these women. I'm like, this is like what like Barbie is striving for. Like in the beginning where she's like, oh, like we're all like, we're scientists, we're presidents, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, we're just all, all women. It's like, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be normal. You just have to be a woman. And that I think really hit home with the little Barbie movie. Yeah. I mean, we already started this episode just talking about always feeling like you have to be perfect right off the bat or kind of, I don't know. I think that's something I definitely struggle with of always feeling like I'm trying to be exceptional. And if I'm not exceptional, it's not enough. Yeah, it is always. And I think that's a a personality trait that a lot of women have is hypercritical, like always trying to prepare to be better and to be um, more exceptional to the public. So they'll like you. But we already are exceptional. Just recognizing that in each other, I think, is really the message that Barbie was trying to put across. I agree. And what a beautiful message it was. Okay, now to move on to the main topic of our conversation, to stop talking about Barbie just for a little bit. Yeah, next time we'll talk about Oppenheimer, the full analysis. Yeah, we do. This is a Barbenheimer-friendly podcast. (laughs) We have to do both. Um, But Sarah and I have known each other since we were in seventh grade. And actually, technically, I met... So Sarah has a twin sister. Shout out to Sophia. Oh, Sophia! And Sophia had a friend in elementary school who said when she met me you're just like you look exactly like my friend Sophia which is funny because we've been getting that our whole lives and she thought I had so much in common with her so she just said hey here's her number she's living in London right now but I think you guys should be friends and then you guys came home for Christmas and that's when I met you although I felt like I you didn't like me but that wasn't true you just are Scorpio rising yeah I come off really standoffish I've been told that a lot for a lot from a lot of people that I'm like I don't know you yet so I just like don't look at you (laughs) I also like just I feel like if people aren't smiling at me I internalize it as they must hate me so much especially in seventh grade I was much more fragile back then and had no inner voice saying maybe they don't hate you maybe it's maybe they're having a bad day no none of that there was just oh my god she hates me so much but luckily we got past that but the reason why you were living in london for the first in the first place you want to share with us okay so i have grown up in a lot of different places because my dad worked for the olympics so i moved to italy when i was five and i stayed there for about a year and a half Uh, I lived in Beijing, China for two summers uh, from when I was eight to nine. And then I lived in London for about a year and a half. This is when Becca and I crossed paths. And then uh, that was when I was uh, 12 to 13. And then I lived in Russia when I was 14 for one summer. And which was your favorite and least favorite place to live? Okay, uh... That's a difficult question because I feel like I learned a lot of different things from each of those places. But I would say, I would say Adler Russia was my least favorite. Sorry, Russians. But I was also there the least amount of time. I didn't really connect with the culture as much. And my favorite was probably a tie between London and Italy. Although I'm going to talk more about Italy today. So 
I'll say Italy. Italy takes the cake. Italy takes the tiramisu. Good for her. (laughs) And something that you and I have been talking about a lot, uh, especially today, is what we consider to be home to us. So when you were growing up in all those places and you were... I remember when I first met you guys, I was very intimidated because I thought it was so cool that you were living in London, that you have lived in all these places. And at the time, I was monolingual. I had never left the U.S. and I had all these dreams of going outside of California and I wanted to live in New York at one point. I wanted to travel the world, but I just, it just wasn't in very present in my life at that time. And I only saw kind of the outside of, oh, I'm so jealous. That's so cool. Of course, I didn't see any of the hardship that you faced. So I guess what were some of your favorite things about growing up a kind of Mm -hmm. abroad all all the time and um what were some of the hardest parts of that okay so my favorite things um I mean for Italy especially I had learned so fucking much about the world it was very revolutionary for a five-year-old um I didn't even know what Italy was I'm like what the fuck is that like (laughs) and then my mom's like we're going there but it was like my intro to like religion to like other countries uh death uh nudity art wait when did you learn about death because I learned about Jesus Christ in Italy because it's a very catholic country and so my mom is a history major would always take us to all these famous basilicas and we lived in Torino Turin and they have the Shroud of Turin there, which is like, it's like a cloth that has Jesus's face on it. It's like his burial cloth, apparently. Apparently. And so I was like, who is this? <laughs> Why is this so important? And my mom just had to tell me all these things. And also because it's Catholic, every there's like a lot of crucified Jesuses. And so I was like, this is scary. Like, why is this happening? Like, this is so scary. And so I got, had to learn about religion, which I had not grown up with. But, oh, let me get to the main point. What did I like about it? Just learning about different people and different experiences. Living abroad brought me this really unique perspective growing up, knowing about other countries and the way they work and how it's different here. I really could see like different types of art, different religions, and it just gave me like a broader worldview, I guess. But the worst things I think about Going back and forth is that I felt kind of isolated sometimes, Um, especially if you don't know the language, you don't have like school to go to or whatever. In Italy, I had school. So that community was really great. But I was homeschooled in London. I didn't really have like friends. I missed my old friends. I was also going through puberty. And so I was like, this is like not great. Yeah, just like having a sense of home was always in California. I always wanted to be back in California. I I mean, I had great times traveling, but as a kid, you just like want to be with your friends. You want to like have your own activities that you're doing. And usually if you're living in another country and you're a kid, you have to like do what your parents are doing. Like you can't just like go and like do whatever you want because you're a kid. So, I mean, it's really different from now where I feel like I can travel on my own and do my own things and I have my own itineraries and but I could, I mean, I didn't do that as a kid. <laughs> so um, it did feel isolating at times, but I don't regret it. I mean, I, I feel like I learned so much in those periods of time when I was not living here. So nowadays, we were just talking about this again, but what, how would you define home to you or where is home for you? Home? I've heard someone say that home, I don't know who said this, but don't quote me on it, but home is a feeling. It's not a place. And 
I somewhat agree with that. Like, I feel like my family is home. My friends are home. You know, finding happiness with myself is kind of a home. But California is like, I feel like my home base. You know, all my family live here. My friends are here. Like the close, like bonds that I've made with people are here in California. That is not to say that there are versions of me that felt like I was home when I was in Italy or when I was in London, especially London, because I knew the language. I felt like the city was my friend when I didn't have friends. And so I do feel like a sense of home in London. Whenever I visit, it's like visiting an old friend. Whereas Russia and China, I felt more culture shock. So I didn't feel, I definitely was felt very not at home. I I guess, yeah, California would feel the most at home for me. Yeah, I think lately, I, again, so I grew up, the first time I left the U.S. was when I was 18. And that was after kind of years of yearning to leave and always, especially, I don't know, my, my very political science brain. I think I was really critiquing the U.S. for a long time. So it just made me really want to go out there and see what else exists in the world and how other people live life and to see if it's better or worse or or a mixture of both compared to the US. But I think I didn't grow up obviously moving around. I, you know, we were both born and raised in Simi Valley, but I really stayed there. I was not moving anywhere and all I wanted to do was go outside. So now that I've been traveling so much within the past six years, I think, or more than six years, because I get left when I was 18, I'm 20, wait, I can't do math. I'm not going to be doing math. Yeah, six years. That makes sense. Uh, so I think because I've been traveling so much, I'm starting to see the beauty and the value in where we're from and loving California and and loving the United States. You know, I, <laughs> again, sometimes it's hard, but... I I do see a lot of the beauty now, and I feel like that does come with taking time away from the U.S. and spending it in another place because it it helps you see it more, I think, objectively Mm -hmm. than when you're just in it all the time. And also something I've been learning, because I used to think that I think this is is normal because, you know, friends kind of come and go, you know, whatever— Maybe not you though. You've you've had the same friends. We're we're in Utah with them right now. But you guys have been friends since what? First grade, kindergarten? We became friends when I came back from Italy. So that was when I was 7. So we we've been all pals since 7 and then you joined in like when I was like 13. Yeah. So I'm like I'm a late comer to the group even though I we've literally known each other since we were 13, but I still feel like I showed up pretty late. But I think because when I was in elementary school, I would kind of have like a new best friend every year. It became very normal to me, the idea that friendships will come and go. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like people will come into your life. You'll be really close. It's amazing. And then things just happen and you move on. And especially because I've been always thinking that I'm going to be living such a global life. I'm always going to be moving around, living in other places that it would be so hard for me to really keep friends long term. And I think now that I'm older, I see so much value in being, spending time with the people that have known you for so long and being home and feeling like everyone just gets you. Everyone's seen you grow and develop over time. It's, it's very comforting. So I totally understand why you love California. I mean, I love California too. I'm not a hater by any means, but I totally see, I, I understand the home feeling as well. 
Yeah, it's always felt like a stable place as well because I've had the same friends here. All my like extended family live in California, very close to me. So it's it's just like my community with the deepest roots live here, and so I've always felt like I have stability here. I have people who care for me. I have people who have my back here. And also, yeah, I just love forming these deeper connections. Like, I feel like even though we've known each other for how long? (laughs) More math? (laughs) What, like half our lives? More than half our lives now because we, wait, hold on. Don't make me do the math. Wait, 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 hold on. And now we're 24. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, And, but we've been 24 for a little bit. So it's been over half our life. Yeah. Yeah. We were 12 when we met because we met in December. December. And we're both May babies. December all the time. They made me listen to every single album of Taylor Swift. That's not true. We did not listen to Red or 1989 or Midnight's, but it yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the mic. I just bonked Sarah with the mic for people. I hope you could hear that bonk. (laughs) My teeth scratching against it. No, but no, it was good. It was fine. But it was hours of Taylor Swift. Anyway, back to the point. Um, you gave up too. You were listening to your headphones the first time I turned to you and I said something you didn't hear me. And I was like, Sarah. And then you turned to me, you pulled out your headphone. I was like, she's a fucking traitor. Listen, let me defend myself. I'm going to throw out the sick card because I have been sick. I was tired and I just wanted to listen to the music that I wanted to listen to. So shoot me if you want. <laughs> she's been shot. <laughs> No, but I do like Taylor Swift. Swifties, leave me be. Okay, back to my point. We went on a huge segue. <laughs> but, um, no, but I feel like even though we've known each other for half our lives, I feel like we're still learning so much about each other. And we have really long conversations every time we hang out. It's not like, I have some friends where we just talk about, I don't know, just little topics here and there, kind of our common interests. You and I get down and dirty in our trauma, in our past, in our history, and I still feel like, I don't really know this bitch. I mean, yeah, but I feel like we know each other, but we're also growing. Um, and the conversations we had when we were 12 are obviously different now because we've learned new things. We've had different experiences. We've lived in different countries. So there's always more to learn and to dive into with your friends that you've had for a long time. And so I feel like that's just my thing. Uh, Like all my friends, I feel like I've had for a while and then I could just, you know, keep fostering those friendships. And I mean, I'm just like, I'm a tourist, so I feel like I'm very loyal and very like, so what's going on with you? Like, how's it been? And catching up and stuff. I don't know where I'm getting at. It's also so beautiful. I mean, we're only 24, so, you know, I feel like we just exited college era and we're now entering, like, true adulthood era. But it's really fun to see everyone grow up over the years. It was fun to see, you know, your elementary school friends, my middle school friends, all everyone go from middle school to high school, then to college, and now out and about in the real world and in Utah. So I don't know. I think it's it's really, it's beautiful to see how your friends grow and change and just continue meeting them every single day because they keep 
you know, they keep changing. We, we all keep growing and changing every single day. So it's a very beautiful experience. And I do, I really like being home for that. I think that's, that's really important to me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That isn't to say that I don't want to like keep traveling. Like I love being here. I think it's my home base. I'll probably live here permanently throughout my life. But I think I definitely have a travel bug where I feel like I want to travel more. Honestly, I've been to a lot of places, but I feel like there's so much I haven't seen. Um, and I'm not afraid to like go. <laughs> so I think um, eventually I want to go live in Italy again, revisit kind of me as a child, five-year-old me, when I was living there, I was having the best time. And, and I think also learning Italian um, has kind of like brought me back to myself when I was five years old and learning all these new things and learning about this new culture is completely different from my own. Um, it kind of like reconnects me to my little inner child. And I think it would be completely different living there as an adult, like at my age now than it was when I was five. Speaking of the last time you lived there when you were five, I remember something went down at, not the Vatican, some other big church in Italy, if you want to share. Right. So I don't remember what the church was named. Obviously, I didn't care enough because it's just been an ongoing joke in my family that Sophia, my twin, is the blessed one and I'm the cursed one um, because I um, shart in a monastery. <laughs> Like, right in front of everyone, like, as a five-year-old, because they had, like, toilets there, <laughs> but they were, like, holes, and I was like, no. <laughs> and then I just pulled my pants down in the middle of church and did it. You shat on the floor? I thought you shat your pants. No, I shat on the floor. It was it was a decision that I made. Very deliberate on your part. Yeah, and then a separate occasion, my mom, because they have a lot of Catholic holidays in Italy, and my mom somehow figured out a way to get into the Vatican, and the Pope was there. And it was Pope Benedict, I think. He was the scary German one. You could say literally any name, and I'd believe you. Pope Benedict, the German one. Wow, cool, I believe you. So he was he was coming in. He was he was arriving. He was he was about to see all the faithful. And I we had all been waiting in this long line to get in. And I was just hungry, mad, young, dumb. <laughs> and I was I got up on the this what are they called? The like benches you sit on to like look at the Pope or whatever. I'm not religious. The pews? The pews. Is that right? I don't know. <laughs> it was like where you sit, basically. I stood up on that and I said, I don't want to see the Pope. And then my dad promptly like grabbed me and like ran away. Like we left. We fleed the Vatican. But then since I wasn't there, my sister was and the Pope blessed my sister. Full up went up to her and did his little cross. If you could see this listeners, I'm doing the little cross thing on her. And everyone was like, oh, my God. So, but I, w- I got a banana milkshake, so. <laughs> the demon child always wins with her banana milkshake. <laughs> so you're trying to go back to Italy so you can feel closer to those memories? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> closer to my sharding memories. Um, no, uh, I think it would be a very different experience today. And seeing it when I was a child was very revolutionary to me because I did not know so much before I went there. <laughs> 
I mean, I was like, I'm five years old. You don't know shit. I was an idiot back then. I was so, <laughs> so ignorant, uninformed. Yeah. Um, but I did, like, when I was there, I was going to school, international school um, with Italians. And then I think it was British run. So the Italians would learn English. I would learn Italian with all the other Anglophobes. And Anglophones or Anglophobes? <laughs> Anglophones. We're, we're Anglophobic. <laughs> okay, you get the point. Um, but so I learned a lot of Italian, and because when you're small, you really absorb a lot. And so my mom would like have me speak to the cab drivers, be like, "Oh, you go this way, blah blah blah." It was like a six year old. I'm like, "Basta!" Like. <laughs> But I think, and also we traveled a lot around Italy, so I got to see a lot. And so I think it would be interesting if I were to go live in Italy and like see the same things I saw when I was a kid and like have some sort of nostalgia moment for like being an American in Italy again, but now as like a fully formed adult. Because as a kid, everything was just very new to me. Whereas now I feel like I would see it completely different. I would see like the art completely different. I would see the churches, the architecture completely different. I would see that I would eat the food and like, I don't know. I just think it would be really fun to like kind of connect with that inner child. But that was the first time I've ever left the country too, was going to Italy. So I feel like it's the foundation of my little travel bug. So I have to return. You think that's why you like Italy so much because of it has kind of all that child nostalgia um, attached to it? I think yes, for sure. It was definitely a very fun time for me as a child. But I also think it was foundational in a lot of things I love today. I, I love history. I learned a lot of history about um, Italian culture and like religion and, you know, Rome, these ancient things that don't really exist in California as much. There isn't like ancient foundations that I could just view. So I love the history. I love the art. And that was my first intro to art. I started painting right after I got back from Italy because my mom is always taking me to art museums, which God bless her because dragging two five-year-olds around, one that's chart in a monastery to see all these art museums like bless her heart and it really did have an impact on me um and it still does to this day like Becca and I talk about art history and art theory a lot so it did like I feel like it did impact my life a lot the things that I saw there the experience that I had has a lot of I don't know influence on what I like today I've been thinking about this idea a lot of just how the things I loved and the things I guess I was exposed to in my childhood have kind of defined me now and I can really see like the breadcrumbs. So it makes a lot of sense that that such a good experience that you had in Italy really impacts you today and makes you love it so much. But in terms of myself, as you guys know, I'm literally obsessed with France for some reason. I don't know why I love her so much. I mean, I can list a ton of reasons, but ultimately it's just, it's a feeling deep inside. It's just a passion. I love her so much. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, I think it was literally because of the movie Ratatouille. Like I'm not, I feel like Ratatouille has been kind of my quote-unquote brand, you know, among my friends. I literally have a painting. Uh, I have two, I'm sorry, I have sister paintings. I have one of Remy with a little chef hat, and in French it says, anyone can cook. And then right underneath, I have a little Emile holding a piece of cheese that says, also in French, anyone can eat. 
And so I feel, and I, I took those to Paris with me. I was like, I'm not bringing much. I thought you did. I was like, I can't bring that much, but I'm bringing <laughs> my art. Yeah, those were custom made too. We we both slaved away on those reps. So like they made it to Paris and I'm glad they did. They did. And it's just, I, I was thinking about it, just like how much I loved that movie. And I remember growing up, there were a lot of girl, like Paris was kind of, a theme for young girls oh my god the like theme of the room where it was like hot pink and black and it was like ornate with the fucking like with the paris eiffel tower my happy place exactly i always thought that was like really cringy growing up but now that you just said hot pink and black i'm like those were the colors do you remember my bedroom in high school how it was like pink and black at some point with white i don't know if you remember but maybe i was always a paris girl but the girls who had like i don't know the little eiffel towers all around the room i hated that aesthetic trey chic like exactly I always thought it was so cringy, though. I did not find it very chic. And so I kind of was like, ew. I, not that I didn't want to go to Paris. I just didn't care about it that much. I always thought that was, again, a cringy aesthetic. Uh, but looking back, I feel like Ratatouille really did something to me. And especially because I'm also like a little bit of a chef, guys. Like, I love to cook so much. And I think that scene where... Remy and Emil are like eating they take like the cheese and the grape and they mix it together and it's like a new flavor profile I don't know what that did to my brain I feel seen <laughs> I like rewired my brain I was like I love this and I love that movie so much I can quote that whole thing but I really think subconsciously that might have that might have made oh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm I'm the one who got Sarah sick, so I'm still coughing up a storm. But but yeah, I do think Ratatouille um influenced me subconsciously very much and made me live in Paris twice and will probably live there again. You know what? More power to you. Art really does inspire and Ratatouille is an artfully done film. What do you want to talk about now? <laughs> It's. I mean, I'm not. I'm not ready to move on from Ratatouille. I should do a whole episode just about Ratatouille because I honestly I could say so much. I love that movie, but we can we can move on. So going back to Italy, and you know, obviously Italy was imprinted on your brain, and now you love it. So would you want to live there again in the future? Yes, I would, and I think because I've been. I had this, like, Italian resurgence resurgence, resurgence in my, like, brain when I was leaving high school. I think because it was, like, a big change. And I was like, oh, like, I think I was nervous. So I kind of reverted back into, like, oh, like, remember Italy? Like, remember how, like, that was kind of an escape and that was fun and there was, like, so many new things I was learning. And so I started relearning Italian. And, then you know, there's words that I remembered, like, from being a kid. I was like, oh, that's cute. Um, and then I went to college and, uh, I kept learning Italian and because I was a film major, I took a lot of Italian film classes, Italian American classes, I took an Italian cooking class. And I think it's really been, it's been a different journey because it's been harder for me to learn. And I think I have to return to the Italian motherland to like actually prove to myself that I can like speak Italian and like live there. Not for, I don't think I would live there for more than like a couple months, but just to like spread my wings and like show what I've learned and like 
reconnect, I guess, with that country. Yeah, personally, um, I think what would be fun, I don't know any Italian, but I know, obviously, I speak French, and I know quite a bit of Spanish, so I feel like Italian would be pretty easy for me to learn, and I am very interested in doing that one day, so I think you should take, we should go together, we could live there for a little bit, you could take a painting class, and I could take a cooking class, and we'll be happy, I'll be living my Ratatouille life, and you'll be living your italian renaissance art (laughs) museum life i am michelangelo like no but i think that would be really fun and that's exactly what i would do if i went there i don't think i would like get a job (laughs) i think i would just like travel around see like different parts of italy take a painting class or sculpture class that would be really cool to do there where so much of the the country revolves around art and uh, you could come. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> have you ever sculpted before? I have not. I've done a lot of like mixed media like art, but I haven't done sculpting. So I think that would be like a new thing that I could learn there. I mean, just seeing like the different beautiful statues and stuff they have there is like pretty incredible and I think inspiring. So I'd probably try it when I was there. I would go to a museum and paint and just sit you know because people do that a lot more than they do in the u.s especially like i would go you know to the louvre quite a bit and people would always just be hanging out painting all day long and i always think oh that looks like fun i should do it but i'm not gonna do it by myself like i'm just not an artsy enough girl i'm not artsy in that way i i should say i'm not a paint brush kind of girl I guess I'm more of a singer dancer kind of chatter on a podcast kind of vibe you're an entertainer (laughs) I really am and going back to childhood like I I really I feel like I I really disconnected myself from my my theater kid dancing singing I don't know my my inner performer and so that's something I've been really trying to do to just kind of like get in touch with that but I think I have to go to Germany for that which you might be asking yourself, why? That seems weird. But my great-grandfather used to be a famous like producer and actor in Germany. And so I feel like I have a family connection to theater, too. Like, literally, my grandma introduced it to me, and she took me to my first musical. And my mom loved musicals, too. And so... It it I it is very much connected to my family and how I grew to love it so much. And so I feel like, would you come to Germany to go see a little play with me? I mean, it, we they might do a play in English here and there. I think I think they do have like I mean, in operas and stuff in Vienna. This is not Germany, but they have little subtitles that you could read in English because I don't know German. But yeah, I'd go. I don't know. Even if I didn't know what they were saying, I'd be like. This is cool. Like, why not? It would definitely be an experience. And I know that my great-grandfather's old theater, the Berliner... I don't know, actually. The lore of my family is that he owned it. But I'm not sure that's true. That's just what my family's been saying. But he definitely worked there and was a producer. And he produced the Three Penny Opera, which means nothing to us. But that was, like... It's a very big, famous play. And... They show it. uh, They have like a filmed version that they show pretty often. I think, you know, a couple times a month at the Berliner Ensemble. And they also play it in English. So I feel like I need to go watch that. And I feel like I will just 
transcend. Like, I'll cry. I'll, I'll be in the theater, my great-grandfather's theater. Whether or not he owned it, he he worked in it. So that's yeah. cool. And you should definitely go. And when you go, you should be like, I am the descendant. Tell everyone there. Tell everyone there. You're like, this actually all belongs to me. I'm a descendant of the Jews you couldn't kill. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but you know people say, like, I'm the daughter of the witches they couldn't burn. That's, like, literally me. Tell me those and- Germans. Yeah. Tell them when you're there. I, you tried to kill my family, but they escaped, you fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say when I pull up with my German passport being like, I'm one of you yeah. because you fucked up. Yes, exactly. Especially if you have citizenship, you should be like, yes, I'm back, bitches. You can't get rid of me. Ah, you cannot. You cannot get rid of the Offrick lineage. That's not my last name, but that, you know, mother's maiden name, all that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it is interesting that you want to revisit Italy and it brings, you know, you back to your childhood. And I don't know. I wonder if that's something that people just go through in their 20s because, you're kind of just out of childhood. I mean, yeah, we've been adults for a minute, but I don't know. I kind of feel like college, you're still pretty young. I mean, you're 18 when you go. You're still a teenager. You're teeny tiny. Yeah, I feel like I'm still becoming adult every day. Um, And I think maybe I'm reverting back to like the the inner child of myself with this whole Italy movement I've got going on. Um, Which is also interesting because I am not Italian at all. Like, I am, like, my dad is, like, fully Irish. My mom's, like, white and half Mexican. And so there is no Italian lineage in me at all. But I'm, like, buongiorno. (laughs) That's, like, me. I mean, technically, I have family from, on my dad's side, they were from Alsace, which, like, depending on when they were living there. It was either France or Germany. So that's kind of French vibes, but even that's a bit of a stretch. But speaking of my family having to escape Nazi Germany, the first place they went was, one, Paris. Actually, I think technically they went to the Czech Republic first, but, like, for a day. And But they went to Paris first and were living there, and then they moved to the south of France. So maybe I do have some kind of generational connection something like that to uh little miss france and maybe you do have some i don't know maybe not you're you literally have both a british passport and an italian well an irish passport (laughs) so you're great it's italian irish they're like the same you're in the eu so you can you can live and work in italy no problem thanks to your irish citizenship that is true like I, I don't I don't think I have any Italian lineage, but I think it did have an impact on me at a young age, which is why I keep returning back to it. But I think I do have to have an Ireland moment where I'm like, I am Irish because technically I am. I, I am an Irish citizen. <laughs> so I I mean, I did visit Ireland in the first time when I was living in Italy and I got to see like kind of what that was like. But I do have to like have a Irish moment where I go to Ireland and like really learn about my culture there because I don't feel like Irish at all. You can start river dancing and saying top of the morning to you. (laughs) Really getting in the culture. Yeah, I'm going to shrink like three feet and like only wear green and like become a ginger and have a beard and like cause mischief. (laughs) I like the causing mischief. Is that something the Irish do? The British are like, oh, the Irish are just causing mischief again. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's exactly what I want. And I'll make it happen. I feel like you're pretty mischievous. Less so now as an adult, but I feel like you were you had a mischievous bone in your body as a young person. Yeah, it's because I'm the cursed child, like we said. Yeah, a non-mischievous a not a not non a, a non-mischievous someone who is someone who is not mischievous when it Y'all, I don't want to see the Pope in the middle of... Actually, we have... Sophia, can you come here? Can you come say hi? Come to the audience. We have have the blessed child in question. Hello, Sophia. Hi. (laughs) See, just the way she talks, it's so much more heavenly than Sarah. (laughs) The demon to my left. Shut up. (laughs) But anything you want to say? Did you tell the story of how you yelled in in the cathedral to the Pope? Yeah. I got blessed. Did she mention I that? said that too. Yeah. We're all caught up. I'm the angel and Sarah's the devil. And you know what? It does show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But well, anyway, I feel like this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you for thank you. Shout out to oh Sophia. Special guest, Sophia, the blessed child. We just got blessed by her presence. Thank you for talking to us today, Sophia. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. She's a saint. Yes, it, it's been an honor to have her on here on our podcast. <laughs> my, my co-host, Sarah My co-host, El Diablo. Wait, wait, how do you say El il Diablo? Wait, how do you say the devil in Italian? Oh, shoot. El Diablo? Yeah, I, think I, think that's right. I think that's right. El Diablo. That's, no, but that I sounds be, right. La Diavola. Yeah, but there's a, instead of, in Italy, instead of saying a pepperoni pizza, you say like the devil pizza. Yeah. You say il Diablo. Because it's like pepperoni. Okay, here's a little Italian quib for you guys. Pepperoni, you don't go to Italy and order a pepperoni pizza and expect. No, you don't. Expect pepperoni American style to be on your pizza. If you order pepperoni, you will get red bell peppers on your pizza because pepperoni means peppers. It doesn't mean pepperoni. You order El Davolo, and that's like the pepperoni like sausage that you would think. And was that like a popular pizza in Italy, or is that like an Americanized pizza that they have, or do you think? I don't know. They like cured meats over there. I mean, you can go. They've like changed their menu for American tourists because they're like, where's the fettuccine Alfredo? They don't fucking have fettuccine Alfredo there. That's an American invention. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they've changed their menus a lot. But you'll know it if it's an authentic place. And I would recommend trying the local cuisine from each city so like rome has like this special like roman pizza that has like potatoes on it and that's slays so hard so yeah just definitely if you're gonna go don't expect to order you know spaghetti bolognese and to what chicken alfredo because that's not what they're gonna i mean they'll have it but it'll be a plea <laughs> It will be an American sighted. <laughs> It'll be painful. And also, they just have such good food anyway. Like, yeah. it's fucking Italy. Get a margarita pizza and sit your ass down, have a Negroni or fucking Aperol spritz, and people watch and live in the goddamn moment. Freedom! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, do you want to learn an Italian phrase, listeners? See. Si. Um, or what's listeners in Italian? Ascoltatori, ascoltatori, yeah, ascoltatori, ciao. Esle. 
I slay. Okay, so I can teach you a bad phrase for from the cursed child, and I will teach you a nice phrase for the blessed child. How's that? That's good. Sounds great to me. Okay, so because I said shut up earlier, I'll teach you shut up in Italian. It's stai zitto. So S-T-A-I space Z-I-T-T-O. And it just translates to stay shut. <laughs> Why don't you stay shut over there? <laughs> yeah. Stai zitto. Um, okay, and then another one that is an Italian idiom is, you know how we have, uh, this is the blessed one, by the way. We have in the States, go break a leg. I feel like it's not go break a leg. It's just break a leg. <laughs> go break a leg. <laughs> go amputate your leg. Um, no, but they have something similar to that, but it's not break a leg. It's in buco al lupo or in, in, bu- in buca al lupo. Yeah, in buca al lupo, which means in the mouth of the wolf. There's a lot of wolf, wolf imagery in Italian because, you know, Rome was created by the twins and raised by a she-wolf by the twins like the two twins in front of me yes we're romulus and venus (laughs) sarah sophia is a front (laughs) but yeah so you could say if you're saying good luck to someone you could say in buca al lupo in buca al lupo Mm -hmm. or saizito if you're trying to wish someone good luck, Stizino or in Buca al Lupo. In Buca al Lupo. In Buca al Lupo. Um, for our two Italian listeners out there, please don't come for me. I'm trying my best. Shout out to, I think it actually might be one Italian. I don't want to creep out. <laughs> our one Italian listener. We could just see our stats <laughs> and we can see by the percentage that we have approximately one person in Italy. Who is listening to the podcast? If you're still listening, <laughs> Chiamo is that how you say I love you? Oh well, I think that's complicated because <laughs> if you say Te Amo, you're supposed to say that only to romantic like interest, and I mean it. So you could say um, Mi piace, like uh, I like it. <laughs> Mi piace Italiani. Okay. Did that make sense? Yeah, uh, I think it'll make enough sense to them. But you know what? <laughs> I said before, don't come for me, but actually do. <laughs> do come for me. We'll learn. Give us your name. Like, tell us who you are. We'll get to know you. Give us your address. We will show up. You know, we're already going to go to Italy for our painting and cooking lessons. So we would love to have a new friend out there by the time we go. So, yeah, please hit us up. Or if anyone would like to hit us up, we would love to receive an email from you guys. So, again, you can email us at culturallyconsciouspod at gmail.com if you just want to, if you're maybe italian and would like to just let us know (laughs) yeah sarah needs to practice her italian yeah i can't do it with these fools see i no no non parlo italiano and that's coming from the blessed one so (laughs) look at your influence the devil has made our angel so shut up or stay shut Yeah, she's a fallen angel now, using bad terminology, because I'm a bad influence. Sorry. Slay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pod, Sarah. It's been such a joy, and I love love your perspective on things. Obviously, I love to talk to you all the time, but I love hearing about your childhood, because again, we both grew up in Simi Valley, had very similar lives, went to like the same middle school and high school, but... 
at the same time, very different. And it's fun to share our little, our little perspectives. Yes. It's been nice to reflect with you today, Becca, honestly. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I am a proud listener. I, um, for those of you who don't know, I did the cover art. Um, yes how did i forget to mention that our little artiste yes so i do actually um do art so she slays so hard guys but again thank you i hope i can come on again at some point we could chat about ratatouille or whatever don't even don't fucking threaten me with a good time because i will do a whole episode about ratatouille if they'll let me them being the listeners and alondra (laughs) because i don't know if she wants me to do a whole ratatouille episode but i feel like she'd be down you know what we could do we could watch the movie really take some notes and how it makes us feel me as a film major (laughs) like we could go through and analyze it and then present that to our listeners i don't know please Please. Okay. So we will be seeing you again next week when we talk about Ratatouille. <laughs> no, but... Oppenheimer um, and Ratatouille. <laughs> Oppenheimer and Ratatouille. More similar than you might have thought. No, just kidding. But anyway, thank you again, Sarah. Please, you are more than welcome to come on the podcast. This has been so much fun. And I'm really excited for our next Ratatouille episode. All right. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Do you want to say a little a little ciao? A little arrivederci? Sorry to our one Italian. <laughs> Me dispiace. <laughs> you Italiani. Um, arrivederci, ascoltatori. Yeah, I think that's right. Slay! And for me, a little au revoir and auf Wiedersehen. Bye, guys. Thank you.